a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. Thank you for joining me today for Let's Get Moving. With me today is Lauren Klukas. She is a relationship counselor and author. She is joining us on Zoom from overseas. Now, she is the author of the book, Choices, How to Mend or End a Broken Relationship. And we appreciate you being here on this Valentine's Day week uh, to talk about relationships, what makes a good relationship. And maybe you could describe for us why certain relationships are golden. I mean, what makes them special? That's how this all started for me when I wanted to write a book, because I thought, how is it that some relationships are able to thrive and uh, really seem to blossom even through adversity and others crash no matter you know how much intervention or counseling or assistance they get and so I became really curious to to find that out so I took a year off to to write the book and to do the research to 50 couples to find out what it was that made these couples the couples that I'd identified as being very healthy what made their relationship healthy and came away with these 14 qualities that some were rather unusual, and and what was interesting is love didn't come up once. <laughs> okay, so, that is that is amazing. Why do you think that was? What I came to the sort of conclusion was that it's all the qualities that are in a relationship that add up to an experience of love, and that I realize I love you because there's respect, because there's delight, because there's trust, because there's all the, all the fourteen that I'll take you through, but it's um. It was just curious to me that when I was interviewing them, love didn't come up as an immediate response. It was kind of like at the end, yes, of course, we love each other, but love is the sum total. It's almost the end game in the relationship. So that was the question I asked myself. And what makes a great relationship great? Well, if I if I speak about some of the, the sort of master choices, if you like, what I found was respect respect for oneself, respect for each other, respectful ways of communicating, respectful ways of having conflict. It was absolutely essential for a relationship to work. So so most couples will come and see me because they've lost the ability or, or haven't yet learned the skill to have respectful conflict. And when they fight, it feels like the whole relationship is at risk. So respect is something that even when you've lost trust in the relationship, even if there's been an affair, if you're able to work with respect, it's like a, a nice big armchair that holds the relationship or a safety net, which which holds the relationship um, to be able to grow, learn and heal. Um, so that that is a, a definite that came up. And, you know, there's this old, you know, really traditional saying that women need to be loved and men need to be respected. Obviously, it's a huge generalization, but that respect part is what a man will typically start to speak of is I'm not feeling respected in the relationship. And a woman will you know, revert back with it. I'm not feeling loved. So it was a, a key element. Um, 
trust is is another one, but it's not trust in the way that I need to trust you. It's more I need to trust me when I'm with you. Oh, interesting. I need to trust that I'm going to have strong boundaries. I need to trust that I'm going to choose well, that I'm going to share my wants and expectations, that I'm going to back myself. I'm not going to outsource my trust saying I trust you, but I trust us. You know, it's it's a it's much to do with the relationship you have with yourself. And in fact, the whole book starts with the relationship you have with yourself. And that healthy relationship you can then, you know, allow yourself or, or it paves the way for you to have a healthy relationship with somebody else. So those are just two of the the choices. And then the the other one that's not as um, obvious, one would think, is tenderness. So again and again, I would have a couple sitting in front of me and grieving the loss of tenderness in the relationship. That uh, that per- that gentle touch or that that tenderness had been replaced with bitterness or contempt, and that they were grieving that and wanting that tenderness back. And so that is is far more tricky to get back because. It, the way through to tenderness is with a lot of forgiveness and a lot of putting the past in the past and reflective listening of each other's feelings and taking responsibility for the hurts that we've inflicted upon each other over the years. So that's how tenderness can gradually be restored. Um, but the best couples, again, are the ones that are able to show that to one another, even when they've been together for years and years and years. So that also surprised me, and uh, I, I spent a lot of time on that and and sharing my own story and my my sister's story, particularly in the tenderness chapter, because she uh, is a survivor of the tsunami, the very the one you know the two thousand and five tsunami, and um, she lost her husband in that, oh. and through that process, <laughs> lost her te- her tenderness became you know very hard and very bitter and it took a long time for her to to you know to surrender and be vulnerable again to be able to get into relationship again so you know it's a a really key factor in how we are attracted to someone else the vulnerability they're able to show us the authenticity they're able to show us um so yes vulnerability is tucked into tenderness um, I don't actually list it as a as a choice itself, but or as a um, quality itself, but as a attack in. Do you find that the biggest issue that faces couples is one or the other have had an affair? Is that the biggest uh, biggest problem that you see? I think I I have become a bit of a magnet for those kind of couples mm. because I actually enjoy, you know. Tucking right. into that. So maybe and, that's uh, not uh, the best way to approach the question, right? Because what you see is probably those that need the most help. Yeah. And if I said the most typical thing that couples are coming to me for is because they've, they've got a disconnect in the relationship. And, and that happens because when we first get together, there's that sense of love and trust and um, a lovely balance between creativity and function and by creativity I mean what we do that makes the relationship yummy and all the chores that we do to keep it functioning and this beautiful balance and harmony between that without us trying very hard and there's a balance between freedom and responsibility but the freedom to be myself while I'm responsible to you to us not responsible to you responsible to the relationship so that harmony of freedom and responsibility has us feeling like I want to be in this 
But as time goes on, we start to slip into denial. And that denial is when we get lost in our roles. We start negotiating away parts of ourselves that were important to us before we became us. And if you're not careful, you can sort of lose your identity in those roles um, and starting to feel like somehow your partner's to blame for you losing yourself. And that's where the communication starts to get a bit sticky because blame and judgment comes in and we can feel like we're like two ships passing in the night or we can find that we're starting to get locked in power struggles because instead of sitting in a space of love, we're starting to feel like it's getting a bit fearful. It's, you know, and, and trust can then be compromised. We start to think, can I trust my heart if it's with you? Do I like who I am when I'm with you? Um, would I want to be, would I choose me? You know, so I think there's a lot of identity questioning that goes on when you've had a relationship, especially at that sort of seven year mark where a lot of uh, relationships have got two kids under the age of five. And that's where you, know, you get lost in the busyness of life and your identity and self-esteem can take a bit of a knock. And that's where that sort of what looks like codependence starts to happen where your self-esteem can be held in your partner's hands. And um, with that, with the fear comes the mistrust, with the mistrust comes the the lack of safety net. And then we get into power struggles where one person feels like they're the top dog to the other person's underdog. And one person feels like they're trying too hard, but the other person is becoming hard. The person who's trying too hard gets clingy and needy. And the person who's becoming too hard is walled and guarded and starts to pull away. And, and typically that's the couple I see is that they're polarized and they're fighting now to be right. They're fighting to win, but they're not fighting to hear one another. And so the creativity has gone right down. The function of the relationship feels like it's gone right up. It's hard work. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the need to be right and the need to win is, is, is what's happening. It's sort of like a, a ping pong game of throwing opinions at each other when when I see them. So and and they feel like they have to be there. They don't know if they actually want to be in the relationship. And so we've got to go all the way back to the beginning um, and start with trust all over again, with rebuilding trust in a way that truly creates a safety net so the relationship can start to graduate up again to towards intimacy and synergy, which is the ultimate feeling that one experience that one could have in a relationship. Relationships take work. It's not something, I mean, it's like anything. If you don't nurture it, it doesn't thrive, correct? I mean, I think Absolutely. sometimes we think, oh, we are in love and everything's going to be just fine, but it takes a lot more than that. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com 
or wherever you get your podcasts. It does. And I think that's the, the surprise that people get because they think that they can use the same set of criteria that they had when they met, which was all yummy. You know, when we first get together, our, our hormones, our dopamine's up, we just love up and enjoy. it's all natural. It's easy. But the difficult part starts when we start to recognize the differences in each other between us. And I don't know if I like the differences, you know, that I'm seeing. And if there's not enough trust, those differences can feel like showstoppers. You know, so it it definitely takes work. And we've got to keep recalibrating to make sure that we're still relevant to each other. So, you know, obviously, the, the more a relationship ages, the more one has to keep refreshing and updating to see who you're with. Because what I find when people have affairs, going back to the question before, is because they get seen by a new person for the person they are, you know, version 2023, as opposed to when we first met. And it's, you know, it's it's an expired version of me. And this person is having them feel alive again, recognizing them, having them feel important, heard, seen. And they feel quite delicious to themselves. They like who they are when they're with that other person. So an affair can be enormously helpful to the marriage if you've got the courage to look at what happened, what the ingredients were for you in that affair. And the bravest of couples can actually do that. You know, they don't fixate on the other woman or the other man, but they they use the situation to extract, okay, what happened for you there? And how can we bring that into our marriage? But that takes a lot of courage and a lot of work. So, you know, people say, can you, can you recover from a, an affair? And honestly, it depends on the severity of the betrayal. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working with couples three years in where it can feel like it happened yesterday when you're triggered um, with a similar scenario coming up. And they say about one in five people experience betrayal of some kind in a relationship. So I think we should expect that, you know, you're going to disappoint me at some point. How am I going to respond what is my ability to bounce back my ability to claim my part in this as well without taking blame you know but to take responsibility for my part and where's the line where it would be actually too much and a lot of people struggle with taking the person back feeling that they they should have um they should have called quits you know they should have just called time um so they they sort of have self-recrimination over taking their partner back as well you know thinking it was i was i too weak to take them back um, when society is kind of saying, oh, you should never have taken him back. So there's a lot of work, self-work to do, and there's a lot of work for the relationship. And then there's maintenance because it's like it's like having PTSD. It, it, it just it comes back again and again. And each time it comes back, the memory of that affair, there's an opportunity to heal a little bit more if you can go, if you can step towards it. But we tire of the problem, you know. So, yes, it, we can recover from an affair, but um, relationships take work full stop. <laughs> right. Lauren, I always like to leave my listeners with small things that they can do to change their lives. So in this case, nurture their relationships. And what would you say are maybe the top four or five things that people can do that have, you know, maybe have been married, you know, 20, 30 years and are feeling like, yeah, it's okay, but it's it's not really where I want to be. What what are some things that they can do to really nurture that relationship? There's this lovely saying that 
to hear well is to love well, you know, and really listening to your partner in terms of what are your assumptions of, of me right now? What do you think has, has been the hardest thing for me this year or, or experience that I've gone through? What do you think my, my largest dream is? Um, so, so checking in on assumptions that you might have of each other and updating those assumptions on all kinds of questions. You know, I think the dream you have or the holiday you'd love to have or the the, the thing that's most challenging you right now is and then updating. So I do that with couples to to get them to start talking to one another in a way that is interesting and curious. So inviting curiosity into your relationship again and again is very important to become curious about who are you and, and what do you need from me and what do you need from us again and again and again. You know, every couple of, of each year, if you like, I, I recommend. Um, so communication is obviously a, a really big one. Um, and then rekindling. So rekindling comes through delightful experiences. It's the creativity in a relationship that we tend to neglect. Um, and I, I hear people saying, you know, oh, it's, we've just got so bored, you know, bored of each other. And I say, well, what are you doing about it? You know, what do you love to do? What did you used to do? And you'll find that the creativity is is very, very low. And they're not doing enough together so the love languages are important knowing what your partner's love languages are and what yours are and then how to meet those so we again I you know am I it's touched my love language and, and yet we haven't made love for for three months or is um is is speaking and validation something I need and yet you haven't complimented me or noticed me for you know the last few weeks so the, the creative aspect, I would say, for me, is tops. If we can have fun in a relationship, if we can start to laugh and play, dance and swim and hike and have picnics on the carpet and, you know, all, all of these things, that, that shows a relationship that's enjoying itself because we are pulled towards places where, where our self-esteem goes up where it's, it's got an enjoyment value. And we have a lot of that in the beginning. And unfortunately, as the years go by, we become neglectful. So that's the, the second thing, as I'd say, a really big focus is what can relationships do is see what they're doing that is um, destructive for the relationship. So what do you need to stop? What do you need to start? What are you going to continue? You know, uh, so a, a sort of audit of of all that's working and all that's not working is really important. And of course, I, if I if I can just name the the choice for you that's recommended, um, I've, I've mentioned truth, trust, respect, tenderness, listening, delight, freedom. Very, very important. The freedom to be yourself and the freedom to do things that express who you are in the relationship. So checking in on with each other as to do you feel free to be yourself? Do you feel authentic? Um, and and what is what can we I do or the relationship do to to allow that to happen if it's not happening? So what needs to be updated? Responsibility, taking responsibility for your role in the relationship, responsibility so that chores and to do lists aren't getting in the way and not too much on their plate, and the other person is doing too little friendship and that also being a nice comfy armchair that a relationship needs to have 
So, you know, you're looking at, at your friend that you actually like who you are with. And they've got a likability factor that they're working on. Um, and passion, I have to say, again, why are people sitting in front of me? Because the intimacy and sharing and closeness is is waning. So passion, and I've got a intimacy checklist, and I go into quite a lot of depth as to why passion is so important. You know, not just passion for, in terms of physical passion, but passion for the relationship. Um, and then finally, belief that when we might have lost trust, we might have lost hope, there's still belief that we can lean into. And that's the belief that there's there's something about you and me that is worth fighting for. And this this is leading towards the, the how to mend or end a broken relationship. But sometimes we do lose belief in a relationship and it is time to end it. And how do we do that compassionately and with dignity? And so my book comes with a, a companion workbook, which gives couples the the exercises to go through together, to rekindle, to, to connect, to discover, um, and to update themselves on where they're at and to get the skills to be able to, almost as if they had a counselor in the room, but they're sort of working on it together. Anything that maybe I have not asked you about that you think is still key that we should talk about? One thing for sure is that every relationship goes through challenges. And, you know, there's four pillars of, of a relationship, love, hope, trust, and respect. And you just need one of those pillars to have some gas in the tank for you to be able to work on the relationship. So if if you're still able to look at each other and say, you know what, I still love you, but boy, I, I don't trust you. I don't have enough respect for you. I, lean into the one that's got some something in it still and from that point start to work on the other pillars that have you know been knocked down through time um truth telling is what will keep you out of denial so it's really important to be able to pitch up with what you want and the word i have heard most people say it's really really simple is that we need to feel wanted and how you feel wanted or i feel wanted is different and it's our responsibility to be able to share with our partner what makes us feel wanted. And, you know, without blame or judgments. You know, so it's, it's, I think that's what I'd like to leave listeners with is, first of all, would you want you? And if you wouldn't, what do you need to do to take responsibility for that? And then do you show your partner that you want them? And, and are you showing that in a way that they need to see it? That's a wonderful ending. Lauren? Thank you so much. I appreciate you joining me from across the world. And uh, best wishes on your book. Thank you, Marie. I really appreciate it, too. Lauren Klukas with me. Her book, Choices, How to Mend or End a Broken Relationship. Thanks for joining me. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.